What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm Drum and Nick. What's going on, guys? Okay, so we're going to, obviously, a lot to talk about with the playoffs, so we'll just start right in with the football. Mm-hmm. So going right into it, uh, first game of the wild card weekend was the Buffalo Bills uh, and the Colts were at the Buffalo Bills. Colts wound up winning this one 27-24. It was a pretty close game throughout. Um, you know, I mean, and, the Bills ended up winning. Yeah, it's the Bills Colts. ended up winning. Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was a pretty close game throughout. And honestly, I feel like the Colts played their best football and just it wasn't enough to beat the Bills. And I think the Bills did not play their best football. Uh, Phillip Rivers, 309 yards, two touchdowns. He had a pretty solid game. Uh, opens up possibly, you know, an extra contract with the Colts in the future. I think with how well he played in the playoffs here, um, they may want to stick with him. He has to contemplate retirement. It's going to be a decision he has to make going into this offseason. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, another solid game out of him, 78 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then receiving-wise, Michael Pittman Jr. really put the team on his back this game. Uh, 90 yards, didn't get a touchdown, but, uh, you know, again, really put the team on his back, was, was getting into open slots. There's one play in the end zone that uh, Michael Pittman kind of run a crosser and was open in the back left part of the end zone, and Philip Rivers kind of overthrew him. Michael Pittman kind of dropped it, uh, which is, a you know, that would have made the difference. It would have won the game, so that was a pretty big play for them. On the other side, Josh Allen, another decent performance out of him, 324 yards and two touchdowns. Um, was also their leading rusher with 54 yards and a touchdown. Zach Moss went down, and as a result, the Bills have now signed uh, Devonta Freeman, who was last with the Giants, so that should be an interesting combo there. Uh, Devin Singletary, when he filled in, I thought he was pretty good. He, he averaged seven yards a carry, only had three carries, but um, it wasn't bad at all. So yeah, I think the, the Bills lost to Zach Moss. You know, he, he was their starting running back. Uh, not something they want, but I think, it's, I think they're going to be able to survive it. because Obviously, if you watch this game, you know why the Bills are what they are. They passed the ball very, very well. Uh, I think Josh Allen performed very, very well. As, you know, as a result, he had a escape pocket a lot, a lot of throws on the run and the edge of the out of bounds. Um, Stefan Diggs was very good in the second half of this game, 128 yards and a touchdown of six receptions. Gabriel Davis was also clutch in this game. Um, I think he made like two or three consecutive toe-tap catches to help him close out the game, so uh, pretty big there. I also thought Micah Hyde played pretty well. He had a really nice play against uh, T.Y. Hilton uh, one-on-one. It was, it was like a – I think it was like a deep – it was towards the out-of-bounds line near the end zone. Micah Hyde was one-on-one with T.Y. Hilton, and he was able to make a play on the ball very clean. Um, you know, this defense performed very well. Um, it was a tough game. I think the Colts played their best football. The Bills maybe not their best, but uh, Bills come out on top because I just think they're the better team. And it should be interesting to see uh, how they do against the Ravens in the next round of the playoffs. Uh, should be interesting there. Uh, so moving on from there, we had the Rams and the Seahawks. Uh, pretty interesting game here. I, if you go to the NFL universe, I predicted the, the Seahawks would win. Uh, did not come out as I expected. Uh, so first, first of all, John Walford starts the game, right? Jared Goff is 12, 13 days off of his thumb surgery. Uh, and unfortunately, Walford gets slammed by, I think, somewhat of a dirty play by Jamal Adams. You know, I don't think it was the dirtiest of all plays because, one, Walford slid first, head first. And then B, uh, it wasn't like helmet to helmet. It was, it was Jamal Adams using his shoulder pad. But fortunately, Walford had to go to the hospital. I, I don't know an update on his status. I think he's okay. Uh, but pairs up for Walford regardless. Uh, Jared Goff steps in. He has a pretty solid game, 155 yards and a touchdown on 9 for 19 passing. So, you know, our typical game out of Jared Goff where you see him sort of much be a game manager. Uh, Cam Akers, phenomenal game of him, 131 yards and a touchdown. The offensive line, I think, really carried this team down the stretch. Um, Robert Woods, 48 yards and touchdown, Cooper Cup, 78 yards receiving. Um, you know, pretty, nothing spectacular, I think, on the offensive side in one particular player, just a good team performance. On the other side of things, I think Seattle Seahawks, uh, what I've been 
pretty much saying, talking about for the past couple of weeks, especially before the NFL universe, uh, their offensive line played them. And it, it really cost them this game, in my opinion. Uh, Russell Wilson constantly under pressure, uh, did not perform spectacular. 174 yards, two touchdowns, interception. Um, and then Chris Carson, 77 yards for carrying. And then Russell Wilson, 50 yards and a lot of scramble plays. Uh, DK Metcalf, 96 yards and two touchdowns. It was a solid game out of him. Um, but again, I think the offensive line really held them back. Um, I think the defense was solid. We saw, we saw Bobby Wagner get injured, but I think he, he turned out to be fine. Um, so that hurt them a little bit. Um, you know, just I, again, I think the offensive line it was pretty much a team loss for the Seahawks. But if I had to put a point on one thing, it probably would be that offensive line. And, you know, the Rams move on. Uh, moving on from there, we have the Buccaneers in Washington. Uh, fortunately for Washington, their run comes to an end, 31-23 to 23 win for the Buccaneers. This game relatively was not too overly competitive throughout. Um, you know, Tom Brady doing what he does in the playoffs, 381 yards and a touchdown. Leonard Fournette had a solid game, 93 yards and one touchdown. Now, it's kind of interesting to see how the, the Buccaneers have kind of used Leonard Fournette since getting him. He kind of turned in what I thought of more of a uphill, downhill type of runner for the Jaguars, and he's turned more of a receiving back, I think, Um for the Buccaneers, but, you know, the, the way they use their running backs, it really differs. Obviously, Ronald Jones didn't have a single carry this game, so um, Leonard Fournette obviously had to pick up what's left. Um, so, they, you know, they used him as a rusher, but he also had four receptions. So, so I think it's interesting how they turned him in also to a pretty useful receiving back, and it's definitely benefited my fantasy team a little bit, but obviously fantasy is over now. Uh, Mike Evans, 118 yards. Um, nothing spectacular. Tony Brown to the touchdown, 49 yards. Uh, that's spectacular from individual player, but I think just Buccaneers team, which is better overall. Um, and I think interestingly enough for Washington, two things. One thing that I knew coming into the game, their defensive line is, is really good, right? That's the future of this team. That's what they need to focus on is building around that defensive line. It's going to keep them in games, which I think it did here. But I think the more surprising that came out of Washington was Tyler Hennigan. Um, And I still struggle with his name because he's only started, I think, two games in the NFL, and this is the second one. He was very competitive in this game. He showed a lot of promise for Washington. 306 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not spectacular, don't get me wrong. But he showed a fight, I think, that a Washington quarterback really hasn't shown yet. Where Alex Smith, right, coming back from comeback, he's probably be comeback player of the year. Uh, his career is just about over. You know, they're going to get what they can out of him. But Washington really needs to look for a future quarterback. They didn't have any Dwayne Haskins. They released him, immaturity. Taylor Hideki, you could tell the players around him just gravitated towards him. Um, you know, he produced a different Washington team and he may be the answer in quarterback for them in the future. You know, I think at the very least they give him a contract and give him a shot in the offseason to compete for it. Um, I probably would look to draft a quarterback because, again, not spectacular, but the but the morale around the team completely changed with Tyler, uh, Taylor Henneke uh, at quarterback. So I just think it's a really interesting story there to see him perform so well. And moving on from there, we had the Ravens and the Titans. Uh, I picked I picked the Ravens, even though I had money on the Titans, just because of how my friend's fantasy league works. Uh, Titans wind up losing, so it sucks for me. But uh, Lamar Jackson, not a spectacular game out of him, honestly. 179 yards, your touchdowns, one reception. You know, he was a lot better of a runner than for sure than he was a passer. He had that huge play. It was a passing play. He broke up the middle um, after he finally be open. He scored like what was it like a 50, 60, 70 yarder touchdown. I forget the exact amount, but uh, finished with 136 rushing yards and a touchdown there. Um, you know, spectacular rushing job by Lamar Jackson. And it's kind of interesting to see how they you know they've been pushing Lamar Jackson to be more of a passer throughout the past two seasons. But uh, when, when push comes to shove and they really need a victory, they, they have no problems, you know, flipping Lamar back to be more of a running back type of style um, of player. Uh, Marquise Brown had a spectacular game, I think. You know, no touchdowns, but he was getting separation. He was catching balls. You know, something that we've been hoping to see out of Marquise Brown throughout the entire season. We saw it in this playoff game. If he can repeat it, then he's going to be a pretty spectacular player in the future. 
Uh, J.K. Dobbins, solid game out of him. He had a touchdown. Titan side of things, right? Uh, Ryan Tannehill, okay game. 18 for 26, 165 yards, one touchdown, one reception. Wouldn't say it's exactly Ryan Tannehill's fault, but I think I do think one of the final drives, um, I think when he threw that, that little post route over the seam, and it was a pick to end the game with Marcus Peters, he had A.J. Brown open on streak on the left side of the field, which he, he missed. Um, so it was pretty detrimental to them. But um, I think the real story of this game, which I'm about to get to, Derrick Henry, only 40 rushing yards on 18 carries. Uh, the Ravens' rushing defense was spectacular this game. They held Derrick Henry to a east-west runner, which is not his strong his strong suit, right? Um, and they only held him to 40 yards, which is which was really incredible. You know, it's, it's nothing that I've, I've particularly seen too often. You know, and if you hold Derrick Henry to 80 to 40 yards, rather, your Titans are most likely going to lose, and they did that. Uh, AJ Brown did have the team on his back, though. 83 yards, one touchdown. And he was pretty spectacular in this game. Um, but ultimately, again, again. Lamar Jackson, that offense uh, running-wise was really good. And I think also uh, their defense in terms of stopping Derrick Henry was spectacular. So that's going to be pretty big. Um, so that was pretty big. And then, you know, as long as they continue that type of play in the future, who knows where they'll go. Next game, Bears-Saints. Honestly, not much to talk about here. Trubisky was okay, 199 yards and touchdown. Don't think he has much of a future with the team. Um, and it seems like they're not likely to re-sign him from rumors. So it should be interesting to see where they do a quarterback situation. Uh, they can say with Nick Foles, they're going to enter into the draft looking for a quarterback. Who knows? Uh, but David Montgomery, 31 yards rushing, one of his lower stats of the season. Allen Robinson, only 55 yards. He's likely not going to return to the team. Um, you know, Sage pretty much handled this one throughout. Drew Brees, two touchdowns, 265 yards. Um, Alvin Kamara, 99 yards on a touchdown, who just came off of his, his COVID break. So that was pretty good for him. Michael Thomas, 73 yards on a touchdown. And Deontay Harris had a pretty solid game at 83 yards. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty good team win for the Saints. I don't think it's really spectacular because it was the Chicago Bears. And I think they're probably one of the worst teams next to Washington in the playoffs. And I think the Saints handled them pretty well. And it should be interesting to see what they do in the next round. Uh, from there, we have the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, Browns came out booming out of the first quarter. Uh, put up 28, 28-0, and then pretty much from there, they kind of played conservatively, conservatively, and that's kind of where their, their lead started to, to evade themselves. But ultimately, they held on, um, didn't play too conservatively, where it cost them the win. Uh, you know, I think Baker Mayfield is a really shining star here, 263 yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, I think their running game was pretty solid with 76 yards from Nick Chubb and then 48 yards and two touchdowns from Kareem Hunt. But, uh, again, Baker Mayfield stepping up when it matters most. Jarvis Landry with the touchdown receiving. Nick Chubb with the touchdown receiving. Austin Hoover with the touchdown receiving. Uh, the Browns team exploded like we haven't seen them, I don't think, all year um, and against a pretty solid Steelers team. And obviously they did not take it lightly. So lots of Corvette Corvette uh, based off of Juju's little dance on, on TikTok. Uh, they did not take it kindly. Uh, but on the Steelers side of things, you know, pretty interesting. I, I don't even know what to call it, but interesting performance of Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, they, they – I think the Steelers realized that they were not going to rush, A, not be able to rush the ball successfully. B, they needed to pass because they were down by so much. And they, they used the hell out of Ben Roethlisberger. He had 68 passing attempts in this game, which is very, very a lot of passing attempts. And with Ben Roethlisberger's weakening arm over with age, you're not going to have a good game when that happens. He had 501 yards. I'll give him credit for touchdowns, but he also threw four receptions. Um, you know, this Browns team handled them pretty swelly on, on defense. Uh, James Conner with 37 yards rushing and a touchdown. Again, nothing spectacular. Juju and Deontay pretty much did their jobs because obviously they were forced to pass more. Chase Claypool with two touchdowns, uh, going back to Deontay and Juju, 157 yards and a touchdown for Juju, and then 117 for Johnson. Um, you know, again, they passed the hell out of the ball, but once they went down that big in the first quarter, it was kind of over. And you still think about punts and turnovers pretty much from the Browns, uh, for the Steelers, rather, and that kind of ended the run for them. 
Uh, so it should be interesting uh, matchups going into the next round, the divisional round. We have the Rams-Packers. I'm taking the Packers there. Uh, Ravens-Bills, I got to take the Bills. Browns-Chiefs taking the Chiefs. And Buccaneers-Saints, that one's pretty much a toss-up for me. I like the Buccaneers story. I wanted to win, so I'll go with the Buccaneers there. But uh should be a pretty good divisional round. With it. It's a pretty good wildcard round as well. Uh, Brian? I was on mute. Okay. Um, yeah, I had something. I did watch a lot of the football games, so I had some things I wanted to mention. First off, I mean, Tom Brady continues to just do Tom Brady stuff, even though I he's probably my least favorite quarterback – I mean, my least favorite player in the NFL. Um, in terms of – I wanted to also talk about the Seahawks. I mean, this Jamal Adams trade, I know he started to do a little better towards the end of the season, but – I mean, it's starting to come up a lot in the Jets' favor, which is a big surprise, and I guess that just shows why certain people have the jobs they have and why someone like me doesn't have a job like that. It was – it's seeming – obviously, it's one season, and it was his first season, and he had an okay season, just not a usual Jamal Adams season. It's seeming to turn in the Jets' favor, which is a big surprise. Um And I'll be the first to say that I was completely against the trade, and I think most – Jets fans were because it was Jamal Adams and we expected him to just continue his excellence, but he's has not played well and the Seahawks lose in the first round. And that gives the Jets a higher draft pick than they would have had if they went on. I mean, it's not, it's not that big of a difference, but I was watching the Seahawks to hope that they lose just because Jamal Adams is on that team. Um, other things that I want to talk about, I'm just trying to think I'm, I'm kind of, indifferent on the bills because they are in my division but like the bills franchise has just been so bad recently so like i like kind of like that the bills are taking over the afc east and it's not going to be patriots town anymore and i'm somewhat rooting for them but it's nice to see them make it into another round i that the colts definitely put up a fight in that game and i the bills probably played one of their worst games this whole season and that's why they inched their, their way to the next round. Um, and also the Browns. I mean, I was watching that game off and on. I, I saw, like, the first play where the Browns got that touchdown right away. But I remember I, like, was doing something, and then I saw at the end of the first quarter, it was like 28 nothing, which is just crazy. They absolutely went on a run. But, I mean, the Steelers made a comeback, and I thought they would make a comeback but it just wasn't enough. And we'll see if Ben Roethlisberger continues his career. I have a feeling he's not going to, but I mean, if you know Ben Roethlisberger, he's like the type of guy that doesn't want to end this way. And it, it's a tough loss to go out on, especially how the Steelers started this season, Super Bowl aspirations for sure. Um, going from there, I want to talk about baseball, big week in baseball. Um, it's going to be mainly Mets focused, but there is a little other news. I'll get the little, the smaller news out of the way. So Liam Hendricks signed with the White Sox last night, it was late last night, like 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, Liam Hendricks, probably like the top reliever in baseball at this point. Um, the White Sox signed him to a crazy deal. It was three years, 54 million. I think it's 39 million guaranteed or something like that. I'm not really sure about the details, but all I know is it's a lot of money um, for a reliever. And I'm happy if I'm going to take it from a Mets perspective. If that's the type of contract Liam Hendricks wanted, I'm not, I'm happy the Mets didn't waste that money on him because I've always I'm like one of those people that are 
like relievers to me are someone that you don't build a whole offseason around and sign them to crazy deals like that because relievers time and time again prove that they can have really, really good seasons and really, really bad seasons. Liam Hendricks is a bit different because he's been a pretty consistent closer the past three um, closer and reliever the past three years. Um, but I mean, the same idea is still there. Like I would not spend, I think it's like, I don't know what the math is, but if, if you're looking at like the whole contract, it's like 18 million a year, which is crazy for a reliever. Um, but I'm sure other relievers on the market like Brad hand, uh, like Alex Colome are looking at the deal and, are very excited for what they probably have coming to them. I think it definitely increases um, the price that people are going to have to pay for someone like Brad Hand, someone like Alex Colome. Um, I don't, Brad Hand and Alex Colome are not on, they're close to Liam Hendricks, but they're not the same. Um, yeah. So Liam Hendricks is off the market. The White Sox continue to, um, continue to make good decisions when it comes to free agency. So we'll see how they do this season. I'm not like totally sold on them because they make good moves, but they're not like crazy moves. They just have a good bullpen and they have other talent, but not completely sold on them. Now the big news of the week is the Mets making the trade for Francisco Lindor. I have a lot to say, but I don't want to say too much because we have a whole Mets podcast focused around this. So I don't, go on a whole Mets tangent during this podcast. So if you want to go listen to the whole thing, it's called Uncle Stevie's Nephew's Podcast. It's on Spotify and all podcast platforms. But basically my main things, like this is one of the best trades the Mets have ever made. I mean, it lines up with a trade for like Mike Piazza and um, Johan Santana too, but Mike Piazza is on a different level. It ultimately comes down to what Francisco Lindor does after this. But if you're just going based off the player that he is right now, I mean, he's MVP talent, top five in the league. And if we're looking at the trade, the Mets gave up basically nothing for Francisco Lindor and a throw-in of Carlos Carrasco, who's a very solid pitcher and goes in in the number three hole for a little bit for the Mets and then is going to go into the number four hole when he should be like a two-three on a solid team. So the Mets rotation got a nice boost to it. And I mean, all likelihood the Mets are going to sign Lindor to an extension, but even if they don't like this deal, isn't bad either way. They basically, so the deal, if you don't know, it's Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Josh Wolf and Isaiah green, Isaiah green, Josh Wolf are prospects prospects. Isaiah green was drafted last year, Josh Wolf the year before. So they're both very young. Um, it's probably going to be two, three years down the line where they get any MLB action, especially I think Isaiah Green was out of high school, I think. Maybe not, but he might have been. Um, but Ahmed Rosario has proven that he's not the number one baseball, pro- number one Mets prospect that he was, that everyone touted him to be. He's, I, I mean, he's only 25, which is young, but he's had a lot of experience so far and he just hasn't taken the next step. And I, I don't have that much faith in him. And Andres Jimenez, I have a little bit more faith in. Um, he had a good season last year. Um, but the ceiling for either of them is Francisco Lindor, and that's the ceiling. So there's no guarantee that they're going to get there. And the Mets literally got what they're going to turn into, what they have, the, what their hopes are that they turn into. And, um, I mean, this is what big market teams are supposed to do, and it's finally what the Mets are doing. So it's very exciting. Um, it had Yankee fans at least – 
some that I've seen on social media, very upset that the Yankees aren't doing anything. And I guess that's something I can go into next about DJ LeMahieu, which we keep talking about. And reports are that DJ LeMahieu is kind of getting upset at the Yankees. And I mean, the Yankees are really risking it right now, not giving him the money. Um, because it's going to get to the point where even if even if it's like type of like a, like a bargaining thing, like what DJ LeMahieu has done for the Yankees, like you just give him the money at this point. Uh, I know COVID and whatnot, but the, I feel like the Yankees have that type of money. Like, like you might not have the biggest profit margin that you wanted from last season, but you get DJ LeMahieu. Um, so right now I think he had his agents like reach out to teams that were somewhat interested, interested in him in the beginning of the off season, like the Dodgers, like the Blue Jays, like the Mets, um, Blue Jays and Mets have, well, actually all three of them have been in the news recently for DJ LeMahieu and their supposed interest in him. Um, I think his original asking was like four years, a hundred, no, five years, 125 million. And now he's dropped it to a hundred million. And I think what's holding it up is I think it's more of the years for the Yankees and not the money necessarily. I think they want to do four years and he, and he wants five years. I mean, I know he's 32 and that's going to, it's going to be old when that contract's done, but DJ LeMahieu is, I don't think is the type of person that's just going to like totally lose it because he's won like, two straight batting titles for the Yankees. So how can you not give him money? And I mean, the same goes for like the, the hot stove or whatever you want to call MLB free agency. Like no one's putting a lot of respect on what DJ LeMahieu has been able to do. Like George, like he should be on very similar levels to Trevor Bauer and JT Realmuto, but he's not, he's like maybe he's definitely in the top 10 of free agents out there, but he's, just inching himself into the top five free agents out there, which is crazy to me. Um, he should be like top three. And if you're a Yankees fan out there, I mean, I know Nick is, but you have to go out and sign you to the make it because if the Mets go out and sign him, which there has been rumors about that, like Yankee fans are going to go crazy, which, which I would be happy about. But I, I know that um, other Yankee fans would not be excited by that. Um, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, so that's all I want to talk about baseball. Exciting week. Um now I want to talk about a little bit basketball stuff. So, I mean, the biggest story right now is Kyrie Irving and what he's doing for, to the Brooklyn Nets. Um so obviously we had that horrendous thing that happened at the Capitol on Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. Um and Kyrie Irving the next day, Thursday, had a game that he was supposed to play for the Nets, but was basically AWOL, which is like missing in action. So no one knew where he was or why he wasn't there, which are the reports, but it's not like totally true. Like he had a group text that he sent to all the players on the team or most of the players like saying that he wasn't playing, but there wasn't any reason given. He didn't tell Steve Nash. He didn't tell any of the owners or anything like that. He essentially didn't come to work and didn't give a reason to his bosses. Um, and there's even more news that came out today that there's like videos of him at a, a family birthday party with no mask on and things like that. And obviously that's not the same level that other players have done, like James Harden going to like a strip club and not wearing a mask. Um, it is his family, but I mean, this is a guy that's getting paid millions of dollars and essentially has left the nets for 
like no re I mean, there is a reason, but like, this is not what you do. Like if you want to leave for a certain period of time, you tell your bosses right away why you're not there. And I don't even think he's had a, like a comment on it to the media. I think it's just all reports right now. And if you're a Nets fan, like, yeah, in the beginning of the off season, I mean, two years ago when they signed Kyrie Irving, like everyone is ecstatic. And, and it makes sense. Kyrie Irving is such a great talent in the NBA, but he has this personality that has proven to not work on any teams that he goes to. I mean, the Cavaliers was a perfect place for him and he left because LeBron James had too much of the spotlight. Then he goes to the Celtics and he just doesn't gel with the other players because it seems like he, he wants to be in the spotlight. And then you go to the Nets and you definitely had many talks with Kevin Durant about making a like somewhat of a super team in Brooklyn. And it started off really well. And then you have the thing that happens Wednesday at the Capitol and then he just disappears. And I totally understand where he's coming from. Like it's hard to focus on anything. But if you can't focus on anything, you give a reason that you're not coming in. You don't just leave. And I don't know if the Nets have not been paying him because if they've been paying him, that just like tells him, oh, this is fine for me to do. But if they if they have not have, if they have been rescinding pay from him, like that is exactly what they have to do because they have to show Kyrie Irving that this is not OK to do. And if he's taking time for himself, like that's totally fine. But you have to tell your bosses, just like any other employee would have to do. You tell your bosses why you're going to be out. Um, and he's just becoming such a, such a distraction for the Nets. And I, uh, I mean, Nets fans have the right to be so angry because you had so much riding on the season with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and now Kyrie Irving's just like gone. Um, so it definitely sucks for Nets fans. I'm happy as a Knicks fan that we didn't sign him. Um, James Dolan made the right decision, I guess, which is hard for me to say, but it's just Kyrie Irving's turning into. Uh, we taught, we we hinted at this a while back. Well, Nick hinted at it, like Kyrie Irving is a big drama queen and has a big personality, um, and it's proving itself again. Do you have any comments on that, Nick? I think you pretty much covered it. Where it's like Kyrie Irving just doesn't seem to work wherever he goes, and. I honestly don't know how the situation is going to end up. I just feel like, you know, he chose this spot at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. He chose to go here and do this. So whatever happens, happens. I mean, I get like, I get the capital thing, but still it seems a little iffy there. Right. Yeah. You know, why why not play? I personally mm -hmm. don't get it. Um, but, you know, I respect his decision. But then to, you know, be caught without a match is just like irresponsibleness. It's just all actions of people that don't want to be where they are. You saw it with James Harden, as you said. Like, when people don't want to be where they are, they'll start acting up. And it's just like, is it that again? I mean, who knows? I mean, how long is Kyrie Irving? He's, he's a spectacular talent, possibly the best dribble the NBA has ever seen. Great, great playmaker, great shooter. At, at what point is he going to do that, you know, and just be that? Yeah, how long is this going to continue to go on for? Because he can't be unhappy everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it's it's so bad and I don't know how he comes back from this and like gets Nets fans on his side again. I mean, I mean, if he comes back and plays out of his mind, I guess that's how you do it. But if you're like a fan that looks at like that, you want to root for like good people and like just good teammates. Like I don't want to say Kyrie is a bad person, but it, he's not a good teammate. I don't think um, he continues to prove that. So 
I would have trouble rooting for someone like Kyrie Irving. Um, okay. I wanted to also talk about the Knicks a little because I know we were talking about last week, like the Knicks were doing very well. And I definitely was excited by what the Knicks were doing. Um, it seemed to be all working. Like they were, they made the clutch shots. They were playing well on defense. Um, and it seemed to be a big momentum thing for the Knicks. The Knicks have now lost, I think it's three in a row. They're under 500. Um, and really for the Knicks, what it's come down to is like, they're playing well on defense. They're even playing well on offense when it comes to like getting the open shot, but they just don't have shooters on the team. Um, they literally like, if you just like look at the basis of basketball, like you have to make a shot to like win a game or just get points in a game. The Knicks can't do that. Um, and I think in the beginning of the season, they were getting either lucky or they were going with players who were doing hot and getting their shots in. And the Knicks have been shorthanded for a bit at this point with Obi Toppin out, Alec Burks out. Um, but all teams are going through that. So that can't be an excuse. Um, and I still like have faith in Tom Thibodeau. I don't think it's his fault by any stretch of the meat. Like I love what he's doing with the team and how he's playing the young players and the defensive strategy. It's just something that the Knicks have never really had out of a coach in recent memory. And I think it comes down to like the talent on the team. We knew coming into the season that they didn't have a lot of talent. And in the beginning we were like, they're just a hungry team and they, they have, young players who want to win. And yes, that's true, but that can only take you so far and you need to have actual talent on your team and they might have defensive talent and they've proven that they do, but they don't have the offensive talent that they need. And having a backcourt right now of Alfred Payton and RJ Barrett, like RJ Barrett has played, played well. And I think he's played better than he has last season, but his shooting has just not been there. And I don't want to say that he hasn't been playing well because shooting is only somewhat part of the game and he's definitely improved in other facets. But um, I think we, a lot of Knicks fans, and I think most Knicks fans understood that they were jumping the gun a little bit and getting excited, but it was just fun to watch a team like that. Um, hopefully they figure it out. Hopefully they get another little run and it showed Knicks fans that it wasn't just a momentum thing, but I think it was, I, I, it's a, it's exciting to root for the underdogs. And that was kind of what was going on. Um, but besides that, there's not a lot more to say Knicks wise. Do you have anything else you want to say, Nick? Maybe like rocket stuff. No. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, the Rockets I, are doing okay. They've been up and down. They haven't, they've had a lot of injuries and they haven't really had the full team. So just giving them time. They haven't been spectacular. Yeah. They haven't been awful. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Other stuff. Obviously we have, college football with the championship game last night. So you want to take that away, Nick? Uh, sure. So college football, I mean, pretty good ending there. I'd have to say, you know, I, I came out of, I expected, I did expect Alabama to win this game. They did win it 54, uh, 52, rather to 24, um, you know, spectacular game out of Devonta Smith. I forget he had like over 200 yards for a halftime, even hit. Um, and a couple, I think he had a couple touchdowns. He wound up leaving with a dislocated finger that they couldn't jam back in. Uh, Jalen Waddle came back for this game, who has been out with a broken ankle. Could see him literally waddling, uh, get it, Jalen Waddle, waddling around the field with a broken ankle, but still being able to perform somewhat. Um, you know, and this team just just played very well. Uh, Mac Jones was solid. This Alabama team, I think, that there were so 2017 recruiting class saw the likes of uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, you, you saw Jerry Judy come out of that class. Najee Harris, who was pretty good in this game. Uh, Jedrick Wills came out of that class. 
incredible, incredible class. And then, you know, as Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle, they all came out of that same class, the 2017 recruiting class, which is, is pretty incredible. Uh, with the recruiting ability Alabama's been able to do, it just seems like, you know, every two years, Alabama's destined to win another championship. It's a revolving door of college football at this point. Um, I think Justin Fields had a solid game too. I think just Alabama team was just that much better. Um, and it's really hard to compete with them. Uh, you know, congratulations to Alabama. Uh, it should be interesting to see them where their players go and the, uh, you know, where everybody goes for the draft, you know, because Alabama has a ton of talent. Ohio's got Justin Fields. Uh, you know, we're still waiting on out like LSU, Jamar Chase. So, you know, very, very spectacular uh, group coming up in terms of, I think, not necessarily like lineman talent, but uh, special teams in terms of like uh, wide receivers and such, cornerbacks. You also, oh, Patrick Sertan, I don't know, I forgot him for Alabama. And just, just an incredible group of guys that really were not really matched this year in college football um, throughout. So, again, congratulations to Alabama. Uh, Brian, do you have anything to say about it? Yeah. Um, in a normal year, I would have paid very little attention to the college championship, but Justin Fields was playing, who's obviously someone that I've been focused on as a Jets fan because they're out on Trevor Lawrence. Um, and Justin Fields definitely didn't have the game that he had against Clemson, um, which was a disappointment, but I like Jets fans shouldn't be so upset that he didn't have the same game because he had a crazy game. And I'm still, I still want the Jets to draft Justin Fields. Um, I think he's the second best talent in um, the draft in terms of QB. I know Zach Wilson is there and he definitely has talent too, but I think Justin Fields, from at least what I've seen and what I've read about him, he's better than Zach Wilson. And um, yeah, I, I think he's the better option. I mean, there's trade scenarios for the Jets to get another quarterback and Deshaun Watson was in the news, but I think it makes sense. I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to be traded to the Jets, if anything. So I think Justin Fields is still the person I want, even though he didn't have the best game against Alabama. Mm -hmm. I think Justin Fields is a clear number two. So if you're a Jets fan, I would take Justin Fields at this point. He should put a lot of tape that shows shows a lot of promise. So um, I just want yeah. to end it with, I guess, college basketball rankings. Uh, mm -hmm. Gonzaga's still number one. They're just spectacular. And Baylor's right there at number two. You know, those two teams are kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. But uh, three is Villanova, four is Texas, five is Iowa, six Kansas, seven Michigan, eight Creighton, nine Wisconsin, ten Tennessee. Um, Clemson's there at 12, which is pretty incredible for Clemson. They're usually not that competitive at basketball, but – that's been a really interesting season so far with so many uh, COVID cancellations. Villanova hasn't played a game since, I think, before the new year. And, you know, it's kind of hard to detract them when they haven't fought. And the reason they haven't played a game is because of COVID restrictions. Uh, their coach, Jay Wright, wound up getting uh, COVID. And, you know, again, so it's just been a really interesting season with how many COVID cancellations there has been for games. So it's like it's really hard to compare teams or move them down when they haven't played. But it uh, should be an interesting season. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just really hoping – we're really waiting for March Madness at this point because – it's going to be a good one, especially with how hot Gonzaga is. Are they going to run through the entire seed or is it the entire bracket or is somebody going to overtake them? It should be interesting to see. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I think that ends this week's podcast. A lot of stuff to talk about. I think that will continue for the next few weeks because we got, I think the MLB offseason will continue to get news and obviously the NFL gets deeper and deeper into the playoffs. Um but I think that ends it. Nick, any final thoughts? Anything you want to say? Uh, no. If you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to leave them in my email at nicholasworth10 at yahoo.com. Other than that, see you guys next week. Okay. Yep. See you guys next week. If you have any comments, you can DM us, anything like that. 
Um, go check out our articles, our Instagram, our TikTok. Um, and yeah, um, if you have any interest in writing or editing videos for us, contact the sport universe 2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.